0: chapter twenty two of the last ditch by violet hunt this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter twenty two from the lady arles Edward's square my dear i ought not to repine i took this house of my own free will but oh the difference of being in one postal district or another it is enormous i've always thought it was a letting stunt of the agents I never thought much of park crescent when i was in it there was too much basement and area space and one never knew what the servants were up to but here we have no back door at all imagine what that means the wrong sort of publicity the butcher boy brings the joint another little devil brings the fish another the vegetables and they all three yawp down the little area in front of the dining-room windows to summon the cook then twice a week the dustman calls to fetch the remains of all this plenty and the dust of our ancient meals blows down our nostrils all the processes of life in fact are carried on under our eyes and noses anatole if he had been still alive and our cook couldn't have carried on either of his professions but would have left us in a week we have a square opposite but it is a poor exchange for a majestic park like the regent's and it is cat ridden and full of stray dirty dogs and noisy chirping sparrows that break one's rest although the little house is beginning to look very pretty inside very few people see it one has not the face to invite people to come so far to get so little if audely was here now to bring nice men around percy does introduce a certain number of his pals and no doubt they do talk very interestingly and venice can answer them in their own style her own old artistic friends keep on coming for what they can get but for me there is not much social distraction Ethel is always good for a gossip but she's not able to walk so far now henry is very kind in coming he walks out from belgrave square but minna says she can't get here without a car and she has put that down so we must do without her till things are better we do do to see minna isn't the only reason one wants the war to end i seem to be in for a horribly dreary winter but then i suppose everybody else of my age is and history in my case is repeating itself when i was a girl you know your grandfather had to retrench a good deal and he chose to take his family to live at a village a few miles out of edinburgh of course he rode in and out easily but for the women of the family there was only the family chaise, and going was very bad what with mud and ruts and it was as likely to get stuck in a ditch as not so we women as usual practised patience and hoped for better times i was the youngest and my head was nearly turned when arles came along literally riding by from the abercorns where he was staying and rescued me like a knight of old from dullness and despair i was awfully in love with him but even if i hadn't been i should have taken him for he represented the only way out and thus i was married at eighteen and pitchforked into diplomatic life well one result of this dreadful war is that i seem to myself to be living through those times again i often feel inclined to head my letters our village after the name of a book we used to like when i was a girl london except the bit near pall mall and piccadilly is just an overgrown village like the one miss mitford describes all the penalties of being gregarious and loving your kind such as she describes are there even if one is asked out for a game of auction in someone else's house one's going depends on the weather and a host of other little things the dark is as full of dangers for an unprotected female as ever it used to be at Lamachi in the old days if a woman trusted herself out alone in the dark she was supposed to be mad or anxious to be bad venice goes everywhere alone now under protest from me but what can i do percy gregson volunteers to escort her sometimes and does but i don't know which is worse going about alone or alone with a man and a socialist at that i myself although there is no question of chaperonage for me at my age prefer to stay at home as much as possible there are hardly any cabs, and when you do get one, the driver is raw and new to his work and drives recklessly. That affects one whether one is inside or out, for they absolutely ignore the claims of pedestrians. There is nothing, even if we are quite sober, which of course we all are, the spirits are diluted past bearing, and one would as soon drink ginger beer. Nothing to keep us on the pavement except a wavy white line of chalk that the first rain shower washes out and that the authorities are in no particular hurry to replace since it is only for the convenience of us poor civilians everything now is for soldiers theatres are of course out of the question though we need not be as miss mitford was afraid of footpads between here and kensington gore the burglars and such like they say have gone to the front as hospital orderlies it's the dark that is so trying it's what venice calls cimmerian gloom the street lamps are all blotted out with lamp black and as for the arc lights they are gone wholly you remember that splendid one in belgrave square just opposite your aunt's ballroom window that shone with such a cruel glare that it made the balcony absolutely impossible as a sitting-out place and which spoilt many a proposal i dare say my mother i suppose never having known the elaborate system of street lighting we have set up would have done without it and have been fairly at home in the old country road of Oxford Street, or threading her way through the woods of South Kensington and Holland Park. But of course she would have had a john with a lantern, and a calash over her head, made of stiff whalebone silk. We haven't even got a john to hang on to. And Venice, far from wearing anything like a calash, now insists on going out without any head covering at all, which annoys me very much. Because the times are out of joint, you needn't accentuate the license and disorganization unnecessarily. she chose to walk to a dinner at Ciro's, given by an American authoress in her literary crowd last Friday, bareheaded in a thin opera cloak for a bet she had with Miss Twells of the Beauty's Friend, which still goes on though you can hardly get grease for food now, let alone for cosmetics. I did not oppose the scheme when I was laughingly told of it. What was the good? i only said it was a long way to walk to furnish meg twelve's with a spicy paragraph but that i expected it was safe enough for all the lions had left the path and gone to france Ilse retorted that one never knew if a lion on leave wouldn't come to protect and remain to be a beast which was she supposed what venice wanted still venice insisted on carrying out the plan and was rather disappointed to have to tell us that no lion or any man at all spoke to her except a policeman, who requested her to move on, because she sat down on the steps of the Albert Hall to rest in her red cloak. I dare not interfere with Venice's efforts to keep herself amused, but I must say I am always anxious till I hear her latch-key turning in the lock and her step on the stairs. If Percy is out with her, as he sometimes is, I go to sleep. He is quite safe. I attempt to amuse myself as much as possible at home. I get up some auction or even cutthroat bridge. Ilsa and Archie on Saturdays and Sundays when he is at home come in, and there is Effel. And melindinar stirs his old stumps and comes to me, trying to take the place of Audley as far as possible. No one ever could, though. And there is Ida the brave who will go anywhere for a game. Gerald is away at his office till nine nowadays, and too tired to do anything but go to bed. Sometimes I go out, as far as possible keeping within a radius of a few hundred yards. I put on galoshes in case it has come on to rain before I get back, and a torch which isn't allowed, but which I can just flash on for a moment when I have lost the curb. I am timorous and not what I was. I had rather stay at home, when all is said and done, than affront the perils of the night. There was a famous great-great-aunt of mine who used to say very proudly, Well, well, sooner than be idle, I'd take a book. I never did read much but now i try to make up for lost time the nicest time i have is when venice has nowhere to go which happens sometimes then she and i after curfew time as i call it get round the fire and toast our toes venice her legs the front of her legs is quite raw with constant exposure to the fire we draw the curtains close one has to keep out every scrap of light which makes the room horribly stuffy but that's better than bombs and read read I have taken out a double subscription with a nice obliging little man near here who keeps all the newest books back for me. And Venice has her London library subscription, which comes in very handy for her war work. Percy, being a man, has managed to get Venice to work. She makes indexes or something, historical digests. She is good at history, you know. I used to tax her with using her library subscription merely to procure improper memoirs but really i am quite glad of anything proper or improper that enables her to stand a few quiet evenings with her mother percy is hardly ever in in the evenings his work is so arduous and poor venice gets asked out less and less a regular tragedy for her nobody cares to ask her to ciros for she doesn't dance the new dance and one can't sit out there it appears and lily st just who used to take her to places never stirs out of her own house after dark and as she is an intrinsically dull woman she finds her society falling off very much now that she has ceased to entertain them at the spitz or the barclay so now she goes to bed at nine she says to save the expense of lights although she has fifty thousand a year too thin so it is books books all the time never had authors such a vogue i hope they appreciate it and how we read them and keep pace with modern thought now that the more pressing claims on our time and intelligence have ceased to exist. As a matter of fact, a popular hostess, such as I flatter myself I used to be, never finds time for useless or fancy reading. I found, on thinking it over, that I had not opened a book for over twenty years, except perhaps a light novel or so, travelling, or when I had a bit of a headache and was disinclined for any exertion. But now there is no travelling, and, thank God, one seldom has a headache, and yet one has taken quite seriously to reading my books never last me long enough and i take to dipping into some of venice's though the moment one gets interested they begin to turn into latin which i can't make out it's an odd thing percy says that soon we shan't even have any new books at all that paper is getting scarcer and scarcer and all luxury trades will have to go well a la guerre comme a la guerre and we must not cavil at this but i get annoyed and rather suspect insincerity when little mr biss who is often here a faithful friend who hasn't dropped us because we live in a small house when he starts grousing about his trade prospects trying to make us realize that he really is a good friend because he cheerfully dropped three hundred pounds on venice's poems i don't believe that if venice's name before the war couldn't sell a hundred copies he is a bad publisher and i tell him so then i turn to comforting him for he is so depressed and admit that we cannot do without him and his like that books won't be allowed to go that they are an anodyne a sleeping draught the kind of drug we used to leave it to the germans to make but that we are now bucking up and making for ourselves we have surely i say a few authors left not in khaki or returned slightly wounded and not in the head those that do come back have buckets full of experiences and things they've observed out there while those that stayed at home can write about home matters and create an atmosphere and persuade us while we are reading at any rate that we are not at war oh mr biss exclaims brightening if they would only be content to do that i could sell a thousand copies of a new miss austen or miss mitford that you were speaking about the other day then venice suggests languidly that if he couldn't manage to publish we should have to do without him and go back to the minnesinger or jongleur she quoted that lovely the way was long, the wind was cold, the minstrel was infirm and old. Teasing poor little Biss, she proposed that he should engage a number of authors to agree not to print their books on any condition whatsoever, but learn elocution, so as to be able to recite their own work at people's houses. Then the young, untried authors might go round on speck, like the infirm and old minstrel, but young and dashing with their first books. Mr. Biss rose to it. He said with his mouth all awry and tears in his voice all very fine lady venice but where do i and my profits come in in your scheme that's a merely ignoble preoccupation mr bess venice said cruelly unworthy of you which i must just brush aside i said as if it was wells or bennett or one of the popular ones he would have to stick very tight to his manuscript and be sure before he began to read that there wasn't any clever person about or there would be a syndicate formed for a band of repeaters and the public would have to put up with twice told tales more likely than not venice suggested that the author would have to counter that by giving gag something fresh supplied by himself on the spur of the moment i rather agreed with her gag is often the best part of a review the clever actors managed to edge in all the things that the censor would cut out and thus make the piece run for a long time all this didn't interest mr Biss much and he took up his hat and went l'amour dans l'homme percy said venice carried on the conversation with percy saying that what we consider the best of shakespeare is as often as not just gag that has got incorporated in the acting version supplied to make up for failure of memory or an improperly rehearsed part by the actor in some cases it would be shakespeare himself but not necessarily all the elizabethans she thinks were of a piece with shakespeare and she herself prefers Webster. Venice is growing rather strong in her judgments, I consider, and it is a pity. Shakespeare is Shakespeare, and you can't go behind that. Of course, this theory would account for the fact that Shakespeare didn't care to publish his own plays in his lifetime. End of chapter twenty two recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.